Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar, and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. Welcome to another edition of the What Is Truth radio show. Dr. Michael Caesar here in studio with my partner in truth, Mark Sassy. Good morning. Good to have you, brother. We'll be with you for the next hour. And again, we're going through the uh, study of the Acts of the Apostles, watching how God used the Apostles to begin the Church of Jesus Christ, which is still here today, 2,000 years later. I guess one guy in the book uh, said, I'm trying to find what he says. If this is a work of God, you're, you're, you can't fight it. You can't overthrow it. This is, you're fighting against God. And today we have the church of the living God in the church of Jesus Christ. And it began back here in the book of the Acts of the Apostles when Jesus went up to heaven and he handed the uh, baton over to Peter and then Paul. And we've been following Paul's journeys and we're in the 20th chapter today of the Acts of the Apostles. So, If you have a Bible, we'd like you to uh, go to Acts uh, chapter 20 and follow along with us. We're going to start in verse 1 in a few minutes. And if you enjoy the teachings or you want your friends uh, to hear some of these teachings, then uh, go to the website. We're sponsored by a little church up in Amherst, New York called Grace and Truth Church. Uh, you got to spell it out. It's a long word with no spaces. Grace, A-N-D, Truth Church. Church, got to add that on there. dot org. When you hit the home page, there'll be a little tab called sermons. Click that, and there's a couple of options. Hit the one that says YouTube, and you'll be able to uh, catch the old programs of What Is Truth. And today we're going to go into Acts chapter twenty. Paul's going to be heading over to Macedonia in uh, Europe, and let's see what happens as he goes. Amen. In in the last chapter, in chapter nineteen, Paul was in Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey. Yes, And that's a a harbor city there, Ephesus. And you were just mentioning about that this is the adventure of the early church, the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles. Yes. And I always think it's interesting that back in Acts chapter 7, the Bible says, verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. It's talking about Moses back in the Old Testament. Yes. And it mentions a church in the wilderness. That was back when they had the tabernacle before there was even a temple. Yes. And the reason I bring that up is only because today people talk about the fact that, well, you know, the very first church was the Roman Catholic Church. And I say, well, that couldn't be because the Bible talks about a church in the wilderness back uh, 1500 BC. Yes. Yeah. So that would. And, and a true church. Is is a an assembly of people worshiping the true God. That church in the wilderness, yes, was all the Jews uh, moving across to the Promised Land for forty years with the tabernacle in the middle. They set up all their tents and they worshiped the true God. Amen. Is that a good question? At your church, who do they worship? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it should be God and His Word. Amen. Yeah. So in, in Acts chapter 20, there's some really good stuff in here, and there's a lot of travel that Paul does and some of his companions. So let's start out here. Acts chapter 20, the Bible says, and after the uproar was ceased, that would have been the, the riot that they had back in Ephesus, Paul called unto him the disciples, and he embraced them, and he departed for to go into Macedonia. 
and that would be north. He's heading north. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, uh uh-oh, the Jews laid wait for him. As he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secutus, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychicus, and Trophimus. These going before, they tarried for us at Troas. So there's a lot of traveling going on here. Yes. And in verse 6, he says, And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and they came unto them in, to Troas in five days, where we abode for seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. I got to hit the brakes. I got to say, there's a few things going on here. Sure. First of all, he's, he's gathering his friends. And in verse 1, it says he, he embraced them. You know, he, he cares and, and God cares. God, you know, God's a person. And his, his people, the Christians, we're people, and, and, and the church, the Bible talks about that you ought to have love the brethren. Sure. Yeah. Like a family. Absolutely. It's a spiritual family of spiritual brethren. And it's not uncommon for a brother and sister to hug each other or a brother and brother to hug each other because they love one another. And this is what the, the Spirit of God what the love of God is doing to the children of God is teaching us to love one another. Sure. Amen. And I know that in the last few years, people in the world, they, they talk about how people are so divided. But yet, if you're united in the faith yes. of the gospel of Christ, then you're not divided. You yeah. might not see everything exactly eye to eye with your other Christian brother or Christian sister. But on the basic basics of the, the principal foundational uh, doctrines... You know, the, those things, you, you agree. And, and you don't argue about little things. Yeah, somebody, somebody said, on the essentials, we have unity. Amen. We believe God is our Father. We believe uh, Jesus Christ is our Redeemer and our Savior. Amen. We believe the Bible is the book that God gave us. On the essentials, we have unity. Amen. On the non-essentials, we have liberty. And so I might see something a little different than you do because we see through a glass darkly. But on all things, we have charity. Amen. We're supposed to love each other. That's the way you're supposed to do it. Well said. Amen. Well said. That's the way it should be. And I see here as they're traveling, they're traveling all around. And it's interesting in verse six, it mentions that he says, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. That's the Passover. Yes. Unleavened bread. The, the There was a, a day called the Passover that was on, uh, they called the month Abib. That was the first month for them. And that was on the 14th day of the month. And the very next day, they started the seven days of the the uh, unleavened bread, yes. just like it says in the book of Leviticus in Exodus. Yeah. So it's, it's a feast to them. It would be almost be like, um, I don't know, Christmas or Easter to us, you know, a week-long feast where they're just feasting. I guess Christmas is more. We got more time there. Yes. But this happens around Easter time. Yeah. Yeah. And then in verse 7, I've had multiple conversations with people about what comes up here in verse seven. And it says upon the first day of the week, Amen. when Sunday. the disciples came together to break bread, Absolutely. that would be Sunday. That's correct. And I've had people, uh, I remember one guy, he is a, uh, a black, his, his faith is black Israelite. And he believes that the black people are the true Israelites. 
And he's and he and he was telling me that you know this whole thing about worshiping on Sunday is wrong. It's wrong. And I said, well, it's it's Bible. Yes. Let's take a look in the Gospel of Mark. And I said, my name is Mark. It's pretty easy to remember. Yep, Here yep. we go. At the end of Mark's Gospel in chapter sixteen, the Bible makes it pretty clear. He says, Mark 16, verse, oh, let's see here, verse 9, uh, actually verse 2. In, in Mark 16, verse 2, it says, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher of Jesus at the rising of the sun. It was after the Sabbath. In fact, we have to read verse 1 here. It says, And when the Sabbath was passed... Then Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, they were bringing sweet spices. And the very next day, so you know the Jewish Sabbath was clearly on Saturday all yep. through the Old Testament. Correct. And then so verse 2 here, talking about the first day of the week, is the day after Saturday, the day after the Jewish Sabbath, that's Sunday. And then in verse 9, now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Yep. Jesus rose on Sunday morning. Absolutely. Resurrection Sunday. Absolutely. And so my friend who is a black Israelite, he's like, you know, well, it's not just us who believe that, you know, Sunday is not the, the true worship day. He goes, what about the Seventh-day Adventists? You know, people that uh, follow that faith of Seventh-day Adventism, they believe that uh, Christians should get together and believers should get together on Saturday. And I said, well, not according to the Bible, because according to the Bible right here in, in Mark, uh, you find that. You also find it at the end of Matthew chapter 28. You find it again in John chapter 20. So there's three witnesses. Um, I know you've showed it before in Leviticus 23. Oh, yeah. I have a number of passages. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. But, but in the New Testament, obviously, all four of the Gospels speak of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the first day of the week. And uh, if Christ never rose from the dead. It says, if Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain. We're still in our sins. But now is Christ risen from the dead? Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. And back in Leviticus 23, when God was giving them the feasts and he laid this out, he showed them that the feast of the first fruits would be on a Sunday on the Morrow after the Sabbath, Leviticus 23, verse 11. This is the first fruits of someone to conquer death and to come forth out of the grave forevermore. And so it became the custom of the men and the women of the church to meet on the first day of the week. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 16, yes. verse 2, yes. uh, concerning the collection for the saints, uh, when you come together on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay in store, make your offering as God hath prospered him. Let there be no gatherings when I come. You don't have to have a special gathering. You just put it aside on Sunday and you can do it then. Uh, the first day of the week is the day of worship in the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament, the day of worship was the last day of the week. It was Saturday. And yes. in the book of Exodus, I think God makes it plain and clear. Let me just make sure I have it right, that this is a, a memorial between you and me, and that is the Sabbath. And um, I'm looking for that uh, passage. Well, he tells him to honor the Sabbath. Correct. In uh, chapter 20. 
And while you're looking for what you're looking there for. There it is. It's the it? 31st chapter of Exodus. 31st. And the Lord spake to Moses, verse 12. And he, he told Moses, he said, Speak to the children of Israel and say, verse 13, Verily, truly, my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you. Who's the you? Verse 13, the children of Israel throughout your generations. Verse 14, ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore it is holy unto you. Uh, verse 16, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. Verse 17, it is a sign between me, the Lord, and the children of Israel. And, uh, and he gave this to Moses and he gave him the two tables of the testimony written with his hand with the finger of God where they're supposed to honor the Sabbath. So the way I look at it like this, uh, we've got two testaments here. We have the Old Testament for the Jews, yes, which was a shadow and a portrait of what God was going to do when the Messiah came and they were preparing for the coming of the Messiah. Now the Messiah has come. And he rose as the first fruits on the day after the Sabbath, like it says in Leviticus, which is a Sunday. And in the New Testament, we have a new day of worship. It is the first day of the week. Yes. And I look at it like, wow, and God gets a double portion. The Jews do one day and God gets another. Jesus gets uh, Sunday. And and in that great, God's worthy of two. God Amen. the Father, God the Son, both get worship. But for the New Testament, that's our day. Well, now that you say it that way, that yeah. reminds me of John chapter 10 for a moment where Jesus is speaking. And in John chapter 10, he mentions that he is the good shepherd. Yes. And in, so in John 10, as the good shepherd, he mentions that he has two, in verse 16 of John 10, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Yes. So he has two folds. He's got the, the children of Israel, the yep. Jews, the Hebrews. And that's one fold. And yeah. then he's got the Christians, yes. the born again, New Testament Christians. And and we're learning how important it is to rightly divide and know the difference between his physical people, the Jews, and his spiritual people, the, uh, the church. Well, if I may jump on that, I've heard it say this way because you should be clear on it. And when you were reading in Exodus 31 and it says over and over, wherefore the children of Israel, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel. I heard a preacher one time, he said that, he goes, don't read somebody else's mail. Right? <laughs> okay, man, it doesn't man. belong to That's you. That's good. You know? So if the letter is not addressed to you, then it's not your mail. Yeah. And in this case, when it's talking about the Sabbath in the Old Testament of Saturday, yes. that as a Christian, that's not your mail. No. And, and in chapter 20 of Acts, because that's where you were, you said Paul just went to Macedonia. Yes. And when he went to Macedonia, verse two, he came to Greece. And when he went there, verse three, then he was in Syria. And then he had men from Berea. And then he had men from Thessalonia, Thessalonica in verse four. And he got a guy from Derby and, and other people from Asia and some people from Troas. And they're getting together on the first day of the week. They're not Jews. These people are Gentiles. This is the gospel going forth. The church is being built and mostly it's Gentiles. Amen. And they're worshiping on the first day. Yeah, it makes Amen. sense to me. So I kind of like to take a pencil and circle verse 7 right there in Acts 20. Upon the first day. It's the first day of the there week. There we go. And uh, it's... Uh, and look know, what he did on the first day of the week. Yeah, and, and he so he's preaching. Well, he preached. He breaks bread. There you go. So they're celebrating the Lord's table. 
And yeah. they're, they're do this in remembrance of me, Amen. Jesus said. And there, he's preaching to them. And it was a short sermon. It was, let's see, he started <laughs> in the morning and he fished how long? At midnight. Yeah, midnight. I'm yeah. going to go a little longer this Sunday, I think, if Paul can do this. <laughs> All the way till midnight. And well, well, let's see what happens. In, uh, in verse 8, as, as Paul is preaching, and, and, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Oh, Eutychus. Eutychus. There you go. Eutychus. Being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and he fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. So he's up, he's sitting on the windowsill there and he's the listening to Paul and he's probably very attentive at uh, 11 <laughs> in the morning and then one in the afternoon. And he's trying, he had maybe a little uh, calf drink to caffeine drink to keep him all up till five, six o'clock. But then he got real tired later on and he fell asleep and he fell backwards from the window and mm. fell down. And he was taken up three dead. stories. Yeah. yeah. And, and Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. And when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. Wow, an all-night preaching sermon. And a miracle. Yeah. 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 Pretty wild. And verse 12, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. They were a lot comforted. A lot comforted. I mean, they were thinking, boy, wait till the lawyers find out we're going to get sued. We're going to have a lot of trouble here. We, <laughs> we don't have uh, enough um, insurance money to cover this. But what a blessing. Yes. I, I mean, he was preaching. And, uh, and the man fell asleep. Now, you know that I'm a preacher and uh, I'm in a pulpit and I look and I see people sometimes falling asleep. Now, I understand there are reasons. Sometimes I go too long. Sometimes they had trouble sleeping the night before. I've often thought as long as the word of God is going forth, I say, rest in the Lord. Close your eyes and rest. Don't bother me. You don't I, give them more magnesium? No, no, just let them, just let them rest in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm just joking around yeah. about magnesium helps you sleep better sometimes, <laughs> but you know, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. You know, they may have had some yeah. emergency or some reason why they couldn't sleep sure. the night before. So, uh, so there's more travels going on here. And in verse but, but 13, the other thing though, that's so interesting here is they were all gathered together and, and, and it's, it did say in verse seven, they did break the bread. So they did the Lord's table. Yes. But then they preached for hours and yes. hours and hours. And I have a feeling they enjoyed it. They were blessed by it. Now, I just want to tell you, for me personally, I love hearing the word of God preached and taught by a good preacher and teacher. And I imagine Paul was about as good as you're going to get. Amen. And, and I remember times hearing a good preacher and teacher going, for example, down to Pensacola, uh, Bible Institute years ago with my son and Dr. Ruckman would come in on a Wednesday night and he would start at six o'clock in a classroom though. And we would go on for hours and we just enjoyed as the scriptures were opened Amen. and things are explained. We enjoy the preaching of the word of God. God's children as newborn babes, they desire the word of God. I've noticed this of you. Amen. I, I can think of in my mind right now, I'm thinking of a couple of different preachers where, like you said, Paul was a real <laughs> dynamic, yeah, yeah, real man of God. <laughs> and so as he's preaching, there's a lot of interesting things that he, he comes up with. So for instance, I remember going to a church out in Batavia and the preacher, he stands up before this huge crowd and he says, you know what, we're going to open up our Bibles to, uh, let me see, he starts flipping through and he goes, 
We're going to go to Ezekiel chapter one. Let's take a look at that. (laughs) And in the first five minutes, he gave an overview that was very simple and understandable as to what you're looking at in Ezekiel chapter one. And it was very helpful and it was very interesting. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it, a great chapter. Yeah. <laughs> There's a vision of God coming down with it, the chariots. God's yeah. traveling. Throne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's one example. But another example I can think of is um, there was a preacher. His name's Sam Gipp. And I thought this was pretty uh, interesting and memorable. He was preaching at a church out in, in uh, Elma. Yeah. In Elma. Yeah. A few years back. And he gets up to the podium and he's got the whole, the whole building is full of people. And he goes, oh, I don't know what I do with my notes. Where are my notes? And he starts digging around. He's flipping his Bible around. There's no notes. And he digs around and he pulls a business card out of his pocket inside of his suit. And he pulls out the business card and he goes, ah, there it is. <laughs> right? And he's about to preach for like an hour and a half. Based on the little notes and on that card. he's got the little tiny notes on the back of a business card. And to this day, I still remember and I can recount that message that he gave. It was a great message. Amen. Yeah. So it was like a three point, three point sermon on that one. Amen. Yeah. So uh, here we go. It's verse 13 of Acts chapter 20. And, and the Bible says, and we went before to ship and we sailed unto Asos, there intending to take in Paul. For so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. So Paul's going on foot, they're traveling by ship. And when he had met with us at Asos, we took him in and we came to Mytilene. Mytilene. And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Tregolium. And the next day we came to Miletus. I just want to stop now. You're mentioning a bunch of uh, little towns and villages and, and small cities that existed 2,000 years ago in this particular region. And uh, we've seen it in verse 4. We've seen it in a number of places uh, mentioned. And we go, why are you doing this? And I think one of the reasons God does it is he says, I want you to know with my book, I'm accurate. Amen. And I'm going to put some things here in history. And I'm just going to, uh, Luke is notorious for doing this. I was just reading him this morning. Let's see. It came to pass in those days, a decree went forth from Caesar Augustus. All the world should be taxed. Uh, This taxing was made when Cyrenius was the governor in Syria. And the next chapter goes, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Pontius Pilate was the governor in Judea. Herod was the Tetrarch in Galilee. His brother, Philip, the Tetrarch of Ituria and uh, Trachonitis. And Caiaphas and Annas became the high priest. You go, why are you doing this? Well, it turns out that this is one of the ways sometimes people test God's word. Yes. I'm trying to remember the name of that individual back in the late 1800s. And uh, he was an archaeologist. And he determined, I'm going to test these writings of Paul out. I'm going to go to the Middle East here. I'm going to go over to this region in Asia Minor. And I'm going to look at the old records and see whether these things be so. And he found these names. And he came back and he said, you know, that... Paul has to be one of the greatest historians that ever lived. And God's just saying, if you can trust my history, yes, you can trust everything I tell you. Yes. I give you accurate history. This is not blind faith. No. This is faith based documented. on documented. Documented. Yeah. Yes. So definitely not blind faith. Um, in verse 16 of Acts 20, yep. it says, For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. Yeah. For he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Yeah, he'd just been here at the Passover, 
Yes. And he's got to get all the way over to Jerusalem. And he's making some stops along the way. And he's only got 50 days, not even, because now he's been through the days of unleavened bread. He's got maybe 40 days to make this trip. And this isn't the day of air travel. No. I mean, he's, he's going the hard way. No airports. Yeah. They're sailing. And that's the fastest. But yeah. it is it is interesting, like back in verse 6, that they went to Troas in five days. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean... Even without modern machinery, without airports, they were still able to travel. He traveled a lot on these three missionary journeys. Yeah. In verse 17, we see a switch here in what's going on in the chapter. And it says, and from Miletus, he set, he sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church. I think what happened is as he was sailing by and he wants to get around the sea and make it back to um, Israel and Jerusalem, he's sailing by we call it Asia Minor. And on the western port there of Asia Minor, there is a little port city called Miletus. Not far and from Ephesus. Not far from Ephesus. Right. Yeah. He says, I'm not going to walk all the way to Ephesus, but I'm going to let you know when I get there, if you arrive, we can have a little uh, prayer meeting. Well, yeah. I think he's he's gathering them yeah. for a farewell. That's what he's about to do. And uh, he Amen. says, he says in verse 18, uh, he, he called the elders of the church in verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Amen. What was he teaching them from house to house? Verse 21, one of the greatest verses in the Bible, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the foundation of Paul's ministry. There you go. Yeah. It's a two-step. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. It's a, it's a two-step. Step number one, repentance toward God. And that's what repentance is, turning to God. And step two, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. If you can do that two-step, you can be saved and have everlasting life. It's a promise from God. Amen, amen. We're in uh, Acts chapter 20, and, and we've just uh, come upon what probably is one of the greatest uh, sermons in the Bible, in the New Testament. I'll, I'll say New Testament for you. And there's Paul giving his farewell address to the uh, of elders at the church of Ephesus. Yes. And they're not actually at Ephesus. They're 20 miles away at Miletus, but he gathers them together. And this sermon begins in the 18th verse and it ends in verse 35. And if, if someone wants to be a pastor or a preacher, there's so much fundamental, good doctrinal teaching in this passage. I think it took me an hour and a half to go through it and study it. Just great teachings. And Paul's always going to come back to the foundations of the faith. He's going to come back to the essentials. Yes. He wants to make sure that his hearers have heard the main thing. The main thing is the plain thing. The main <laughs> thing is the saving thing. Yes. And that's what he's going to do. Now, we're going to take a short station break in a little bit. You're listening to the What is Truth radio show right here. We're with you every Sunday morning at 7 a.m., just trying to think next week is going to be Christmas Eve morning. We're going to have a special Christmas Eve show for you then. Uh, so stick around to come next week, but hang around for a little bit. And we are sponsored by a, a little church up in Amherst, New York. And uh, they, they pay for the radio time for us to be here. We thank them for that. We like to share these truths with you. 
And if you've enjoyed them and say, well, I missed a few things, I'd like to pick up on them. We archive them and they archive them on the website. And their website uh, is Grace and Truth Church. Just spell it out. No spaces. Grace, A-N-D, Truth Church dot O-R-G. Hit the main page. Up will come something that says sermons. Click on that. You'll get a bunch of options. Click on YouTube and you'll see what is truth. And you can listen to many of the shows going back. And we're going to stick around. We're going to have a short station break. Hang around. We're going to go through one of the greatest sermons in the New Testament in the moment. Stick around. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. All right, thanks for sticking around. Again, open that Bible to Acts chapter 20. Pick it up with us in about verse 18 because Paul's going to gather these people together and he, he just, what he's doing is he's giving his testimony. Not his testimony of salvation, but his testimony of ministry. Hmm. He's been called to be an apostle and a minister of the gospel. And he tells him in verse 18, you know, from the first day I came to you, you know what manner I have been with you at all seasons, in season, out of season, whether it's winter, summer, or fall. What do I do? I'm serving the Lord. Amen. How am I serving the Lord? With humility of mind. Amen. Humility. Uh, the preacher and the man of God should not be boastful or proud or self-exalting. He should be glorifying God, lifting up the Lord, and in humility, recognizing that there are people that don't like him. He said, there were Jews that were lying in wait for me. I Sometimes I wept on my bed thinking about it, not for me, but for them, they were opposing themselves when they're against the gospel. That's what troubled Paul. He loved his Jewish brethren, but they weren't quite getting the message. Brother, what are your thoughts? Well, in verse 19, when he's, Paul is saying, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Yeah. He reminds me of a friend of mine, Mike, been a Christian a long time. He had a young guy come work for him that grew up in an atheist household that had never looked at the Bible, never knew, never went to church. Like this kid, this young guy was in his early 20s and he knew nothing at all about the Bible. And Mike wanted to help him. And one day he's talking to him, well, you need to humble yourself before God. And the young guy says, well, what does humble mean? Well, he, he wasn't joking. He did not know. He's like, what does it mean to be humble? And Mike said, well, that's your homework. He goes, I'll pay you extra credit to do some homework tonight. And I want you to go in a dictionary and I want you to go online. And I want you to find a few different definitions and tell me tomorrow what is humble. And then the next day he came back and he goes, well, according to this dictionary, it says this and this and that. And he goes, okay, now let me see you put it into action. Uh-huh. Right. And for the next week he goes, I want you to try to be humble. And it was a real life lesson. And when I met this young man, he was bursting about it. He was like, man, there's so much stuff in the Bible about humbleness, right? And he goes, and God resisteth the proud, don't you yes, know? Right? Yes. And so it was a big help to this young man, and he got saved. Amen. Yeah. So, well, God giveth grace to the humble. Amen. That's one of the ways that we get grace. If we're proud and we're puffed up and think we don't need God, how can he reach down with his mighty grace? So so Paul just wanted to know, as, as a minister... This, the true servant of the Lord, 
should be meek like Jesus was. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said. Yes. Humbleness, humility, meekness, they're, they're almost synonymous. And with um, many tears, meaning he really, really cared. It was genuine. Yes. And he had temptations. There were things that came up. Uh, the Jews were lying in wait for him. Yep. There was a lot of problems. And yet the Lord led him through all those problems, didn't leave him alone, never left him nor forsook him, you know. And on in verse 20, now think about this, like good vision, Acts 20, 20, yep. like 2020 good. vision, Amen. right? It mentions that um, he says, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, and but I have showed you and taught you publicly from house to house. Wouldn't you call that Bible study? Yeah. And that's interesting. When you think of something that's profitable to me, like you're going to reach in your wallet and give me a $20 bill, Mm-mm. I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you Bible teaching. Amen. That's what I'm going to do. And 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 I've taught you publicly. I mean, we were, we were going to the market and I was talking about Bible truths, Jesus, we were going about. We weren't talking about the football game. We weren't talking about the weather. I was talking to you publicly, house to house. I would uh, do a Bible study at this house. I'd do a Bible study at that house. Would even go knock on a door from one house to another. So and things want to talk to them. Yeah. Amen. Things that were profitable were things that make a difference. And you know, it's curious, house to house. This is where now, when I grew up, there were two groups that used to come to our house, knock on the door, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons. Yes. But they got it from here because Paul was the first to do it. He started door-to-door ministry. He went house to house to reach people. Well, then I have to ask the question. If anybody out there has ever had a Jehovah Witness come knock on the front door, and you can remember simply Acts 20, 20, 20. right? You go right here and they say, hey, we'd like to give you a pamphlet about Jehovah. Yeah. And I've said to them, are you going house to house talking about Jesus Christ like the Bible says here in verse 21? They went house to house, and they talked about faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. Acts 20 and 21. Yeah, because there's no period at the end of verse 20. There's a comma. So 21 is the continuation of what he was teaching. Yes. And so they're not going house to house telling people about Jehovah and handing out flyers that are not Bible and nope. don't agree with the Bible. No, Paul was testifying to whether it was a Jew or a Gentile, repentance toward God. Yes. Turning back to God. Uh, whatever you've tried in your life, maybe you tried Diana of the Ephesians. Maybe you tried one of the curious arts from the prior chapter. Maybe you tried an exorcist. Maybe you tried a priest. Maybe you tried something else. How about turning to God? Amen. Turning back to God. And what he'll, well, you know what God will do if you turn to him? Jesus said, no man can come to me except the father draw him. When God sees someone turning to the true God, He's going to draw him to Jesus Christ and tell him to put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God the Father is going to do. He knows what the person needs. Amen. And so let's say you have a Jehovah Witness come to your house and you say, well, you shouldn't be going house to house about Jehovah. It should be about Jesus. Correct. Right? That's number one. Number two, you mention a Mormon. If a Mormon comes and you ask the Mormon, well, what are you trusting in? right? Where is your faith? What are you putting your faith in? Where's your trust? And they'll say they, they have different sayings. And one, one of their sayings is I'll do my best and Jesus will do the rest. <laughs> well, then you're not putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You're no. putting your faith in yourself. Well, you're putting some in Jesus some. and some in yourself. It's, yes. a, it's a divided thing, but I'm not turning entirely to Jesus Christ. And you need to. Yes. And here's why. I know a, a guy who was born and raised as a Jehovah witness, and now he's a born again Christian. And the thing that changed and made a real difference in his life in the Word of God was in Isaiah chapter 43, 
verse 11. Great. That's a great passage. It, it, this changed his life. Yeah. He's, the Bible says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. That's right. And he read that, and being raised a Jehovah Witness, he, he was always told, well, you have to do good works and earn salvation. And he says, well, if God's the Savior and there's no other, then I can't be the Savior. I can't be 10% of the nope. Savior. I can't save 10%, 20%. He did it all. Yeah. And it's like that old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And and I was looking on the repentance toward God. I had a cross-reference I had put in my Bible when I was reading the book of Joel one day. And this is when the word of the Lord uh, came to the prophet Joel. And he said, I want you to hear this, ye old men, hear this, all ye inhabitants of the land. He wanted everybody to turn to him. And uh, in chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart. Amen. That's when you're turning all the way. He says in the next verse, Turn unto the Lord your God. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. He is of great kindness. You turn to God with everything. Joel 2, 12. That's repentance, turning entirely to God and putting all your faith and trust in him. Yeah. Amen. And, and, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that the blood that was shed on Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in 1 John that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses Cleanse us from, from all sin. sin. Yeah. Amen. There's nothing else that can do that. <laughs> nothing that I can do. You know, if there's something I could do, then why did Jesus have to come and die on a cross? It's a pretty simple thing. So in verse 22 here, as we move on, there's a lot more to this. Verse 22 of Acts 20, it says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And this is Paul, and yep. he's telling the church at Ephesus, they're probably like, why don't you stick around for a week? Stay, spend a month with us. No, I, I have to go. My, I'm bound up in my spirit. I'm heading to Jerusalem, and I don't know everything that's going to happen to me there. And all we're learning here is the reality of the way God made us is the future of our life is hidden. Yes. The future of God's plan is revealed in the Bible. Those things which are written are for us and our children. He's showing us prophecy. But when it comes to us individually, we're just trusting in the Lord as we go forward. And this is including his Christian ministry. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's walking in faith. Sure. He's walking in the spirit. They don't want you, you know, the Bible doesn't want you to walk like an Egyptian. Right. It wants you to walk in the spirit. And by doing that, you have to feed the spirit by reading the word, studying the word. Mm. But he still doesn't know. I mean, he's a great Christian leader and he himself does not know the things that shall befall I'll him. I'll tell you one thing he knows he's going to do. Just like verse 21, when he gets there, he's going to testify to Jews and Greeks, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He knows what he's going to do. He doesn't know how they're going to respond. He doesn't know if they're going to throw him in jail. He doesn't know if a mob is going to get mad and beat him over the head, but he knows what he's going to do. Amen. He's Amen. purposed in his heart, Amen. like Daniel. Yeah. That's right. So no matter what his surroundings are, yeah. whether he's in a nice house visiting with Christian friends or he's in prison, Either way. Testifying. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Repentance toward God. Faith in the Lord. Yeah. So he doesn't know, but verse 23, he says, save, meaning accept these things, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying the bonds and afflictions abide me. Yeah. He would write later on to a church. You got to know that all 
of us that serve godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution along the way. Yes. The world is not going to be happy about our message. Demetrius the silversmith wasn't happy when we looked at what happened to him last week in chapter 19. That he got mad and he chased after Paul. They don't the world does not want our Savior. The school of Tyrannus didn't want the preaching about the Savior there. Our world doesn't want to have it. We're on radio now and we're paying for this time. Yes. But if we went to NBC radio and said, would you like to have us on so we can do this? They'd no. shake their head. And, I don't think so. There's no. other, we're going to put other stuff on, not this. They want some riveting radio. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? How about truth radio? That's why we have the show. What is truth? Yeah. Because you want to know what the truth is. And the fact that uh, Paul himself knew that there were bonds and afflictions for him. Yep. Christians today can expect the same. Why? Because the word of God says so. Yeah. Like how does it affect Paul's mind? Look at verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's a lot in that one verse. It gets right back to the essentials, doesn't it? Back to the essentials. And it's as simple as that. I've told people that the Christian essentials are the fact that uh, Jesus is the Savior, right? You've mentioned that the King James is the Bible. Yep. So you have the pure word of God. But it's also the cross, you know, the preaching of the cross. What That's happened right. at the cross? What happened up there? Simple things. Testifying the same thing over and over. There was a great preacher that lived in uh, Chicago uh, more than a century ago, Dwight L. Moody. Oh, yeah. And and he was one, I, he must have read this passage. He was known for going out publicly. He was known uh, going house to house. He also would invite people in various houses uh, come to the church tomorrow where they're going to preach the gospel. And he would say the same thing over and over. He wanted to finish his course with joy. And the same thing he did, one thing I know for sure, he told everybody, you must be born again. You Amen. must be born again. Somebody asked him, why do you keep saying this, that you must be born again? And he said, because you must be born again. Amen. Jesus said it. Amen. In testifying of the grace of God in the new birth. So he kept... The same message, just like Paul kept the same message, it's the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. It's not confusion. It's not a bunch of different things. And, and it's pretty simple. And actually, it's, simplicity in Christ. And it's not the gospel of the church of God. No. Although I'm glad that God's built a church. But the church can't save. God saves through grace. Amen. 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 Now, I've had so many times where people mention, well, the King James Bible has archaic words. Well, okay. I just, when I came to this verse in verse 24, Paul says, but none of these things move me. That's a modern phrase. Sure. Yeah. Does something move you? Does that music, does that move you? Right. Or an interest in this or that, does that move you? So I thought about, you know, I bet you there's other things in the Bible that are little phrases that people don't even realize that they come from the Bible. It's so here, right. here's a few examples. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. The Bible mentions the apple of his eye. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've heard that before, right? <laughs> Pretty much everybody's heard that. In 1 Samuel 19, verse 5, there's a phrase where it says, put his life in his hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that it comes from like the Paul's Bible. Doing preaching. That, yeah. <laughs> that comes from the Bible. In Job 19, 20, it mentions the skin of his teeth. Yeah. How many times have you heard that? Yep. Where did it come from? From God's word. In Psalm 107, verse 27, wit's end. 
I am at my wits end with you, young man. <laughs> well, it came from the Bible. And in, in Proverbs 4, verse 25, there's the phrase, right on. I bet you didn't think that was in the Bible. <laughs> uh, I'll just give you a couple more just for fun. In Isaiah 40, verse 15, it mentions a drop in a bucket. That's a common yeah. modern phrase. Sure. In Isaiah 52, 8, uh, we'll see eye to eye. That's pretty common. In Luke 9, 44, let this sink in. Yeah. The, all these phrases come from, from the Bible. And in Luke 15, 27, safe and sound. Amen. <laughs> so, so, so much of our language has been affected by this English Bible, yes. which again was around in America in the 1700s. It was in the schools in the early 1800s. A lot of people read it. And I guess we picked up some of the phrases. I reckon the way. so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amen, amen. That's another one. Isn't that a phrase yeah, from the that's Bible? Right. Yeah. They think it's just Southern. No, it's from the Bible. Came from the Bible belt, I think. Yeah. So here we are, verse uh, 25. He, Paul says, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Saying goodbye. Okay. Yeah, he's saying goodbye. And he's talking about seeing them face to face. That's a common thing in the Bible. You yep. find it over 300 times in the Amen. Bible mentioning the face. He says, wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Yeah. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So I have to say, he's talking about I'm pure from, from the blood of all men, like it mentions back in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18, verse yes, 3. Yes. He, he, you know, God warns that you have to warn someone who's lost and warn them to turn yeah. from their evil way yeah. and turn to God. He said, Son of man, told Ezekiel, I have made thee a watchman. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I, the Lord, say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speak to the wicked, to turn him from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man, he'll die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and then he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, yes, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast saved uh Thy, deliver thy soul. And so that's it. Uh, he, that's what Paul's saying. He must have read the book of Ezekiel a lot when he was studying a good Jewish man. Yeah. He understood, I'm I'm pure from the blood. Why? I've warned people. I've testified publicly. I've testified from house to house. Uh, I've finished my course. I will testify the gospel of the grace of God. When I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to do the same thing. I don't know what they're going to do to me, but I know what I'm going to do to them. I want to be pure from their blood. I want to make sure they hear the only way that they can die and have their sins paid for and have no iniquity is to listen to the gospel of the grace of God, turn to God and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good so, work. So we're back to that two-step that we saw back yeah. in verse 21. And some people may say, well, I'm not like Paul. I mean, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews and he was of the right lineage and he was taught in the right, you know, he had the right scholars to teach him. Sure. And he had, you know, studied the Old Testament through and through. But you know what? It's just the simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins sure. and to spread that good message. And later on, Paul would, would answer what you were saying. And it's not like you personally have objections. These are things you might hear from people sometimes. But, but Paul would write later on to a church at Corinth. He said, you have to understand the foolishness of God is wiser 
than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And brethren, look at your calling. Not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty men after the flesh. Not many noble men after the flesh are called. God hath chosen the foolish, the simple things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. God hath chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yeah. Amen. And so and yeah, God base, can use the simple base people. things. Yeah. yeah. Base is like basement. Sure. Like the low things. I don't know a lot, like but some, I can say what God told me and I can show you what he did in my life. Amen. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. And you've said it like this in the past. You've said, all you got to do is be a water boy. It's the water of the word. You're just bringing Amen. out. You're just dishing out water for somebody. Give them a track. There's there you a go. cup of water. Yep. There you <laughs> go. And here in verse 28, starting a new paragraph, he's uh, the Bible says, "We well, missed 27." Uh, okay, I want shun to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now that's important for a teacher in a church. Paul is speaking to the elders at Ephesus. Yes, he knows. He just said, "Look, I'm not going to see you anymore." Verse 25. So when I leave you, I want you to follow my pattern. When you speak to these people, give them all the counsel of God. Amen. Um, you're going to show them how to get saved, and they'll be a, a newborn babe. You're going to show them how to grow in grace and knowledge. You're going to show the moms and dads how to be good parents to raise their kids. Amen. I want you to don't just pick a few parts of the Bible Amen. if you're a teacher. Amen. Yeah. And, and so that would be uh, someone preaching and teaching, especially teaching through the Bible where you're going uh, chapter by chapter, and you're not missing stuff, but Amen. you're just hitting on things that yep. come up as they come up. All the counsel of God. That's good. Amen. And then uh, verse 28, he says, take heed. He's warning them, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you yeah. overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He puts a lot into a few words. He really does. <laughs> he really does. So he, he's saying, take <laughs> heed to yourselves. Like yes. pay attention to what you're doing, right? Absolutely. And then and also to all the flock. You you're responsible. Why? Because the Holy Ghost made you overseers. They're the elders of the church. Yeah. And so they should watch out for what they're doing and what the others are doing and try to keep them walking in the spirit instead of walking after the flesh. And then he mentions to feed the church of God, so that the word God's right there, which he, God, hath purchased with his own blood. Now, everybody knows that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Yes. That's the, that's the Bible truth. Yes. But here in Acts 20, 28, it's clearly saying that God, like God Jesus himself. Jesus is God. That's a deity verse. It is a deity verse because God shed his own blood on that cross. Yes. And one one. Uh, one proof of that, I guess, is First uh, Timothy three sixteen. For great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And and uh, later on, uh, Paul would write to the book of Romans. God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by His blood, Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world. And, and Jesus said, I and my father are one. Amen. So the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is is essential. We were looking before earlier how the house-to-house -house ministry was started by the Apostle Paul. Today, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses continue the house-to-house -house ministry. And right in this passage, you can show them 
that that's a God's blood that was up there. Amen. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. And he made it careful. He could have put the church of Jesus, but he put the church of God to understand that it's God, Jesus, you, it was his blood Amen. that was used and, to And if, save if us. you are uh, in front of your Bible, and if you have a pencil, you may even want to jot this down. Uh, one, probably the most well-known Bible verse in all the Bibles, John 3.16. Amen. Right? That's the gospel message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you see that at football games. You see that at different places, John 3.16. Yep. yep. But a connection, almost like a piece of a puzzle, a connection to this verse here in Acts 20.28 20, is 1 John 3.16. Because in 1 John 3.16, only in a King James Bible, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Uh-huh. So in First John 3.16, it says, God laid down his life for us. Connects perfectly to Acts 20.28. 20, Amen. Yeah. Amen. And so, yeah, I mean, sometimes people don't know what to do when they get a knock on the door. Well, you can take them to 2020. And then move right through this chapter with yeah, them. Great sermon. Just a great sermon. I remember um, a class in sermon prep and delivery I taught years ago. We spent weeks on this sermon trying to show the, the young ministers the importance of, again, staying to the essentials, staying to the basic things, and then building upon their most holy faith. Great sermon Paul gave here. Amen. Uh, then he warns some more in verse 29. He yes. says, for I know this... He knows this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Yeah. And the next verse, and also of your own selves, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Yeah. Boy, we've seen some of that happen in history. I mean, Paul, again, trying to warn these uh, men at Ephesus and, and he's saying to them, look, I want you to do as I did. I want you to serve God with humility of mind. I want you to testify of the repentance toward God and the faith in the Lord. I want you to talk about the gospel. I want you to start using other passages of the Bible and building people up and give them all the counsel of God. But I'm going to tell you, when you start to build that church, what's going to happen is grievous wolves from the outside yes. will attempt to enter in like we had at Galatia. Like we saw back in Acts 15, men came down from the outside. They came to the church at Antioch. They said, you know, it's it's good that you have Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. And they started bringing other doctrines. Right. And Jesus said, beware. These people are going to come in sheep's clothing. They're going to look like one of you, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Paul says, watch out for that. That's the first warning. But not only that, verse 30, and also... Of your own selves shall men arise. Curious, speaking rise. perverse things. They'll they'll start out in the church, and they'll give heed and place to another spirit. And the other spirit isn't that of humility in verse 19. Exactly. It's that of pride. And I want to be known. I want to be something. And I'll start speaking things to draw away disciples so I can have a ministry with my name. There's a lot. We're running out of time here. We might want to look at this next week because <laughs> okay. there have been a lot of examples of this down through history. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think of uh, Joseph Smith. Yeah. I mean, people look at Joseph Smith and they hold him up on a pedestal up above God. 
Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. And yet he started out in a church when he was little. He did. And he stole a whole bunch of stuff there, and he rose up himself and began his own movement with his own name to draw people after himself and to get them away from the truth. Disciples following him. Yes. Yeah, instead of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Look, we're, we're really enjoying this. Now, Now next week, of course, going to be a Christmas Eve morning, and we'll have a special show for you. And then we may have one for New Year's the following week. And uh, join us in the new year. We're going to get back to the Acts of the Apostles because we want to see how God builds. And what he does is he builds up souls and individuals, and he builds up families, and he builds up small congregations of believers. They're like the church in the wilderness today. They're little churches, and the world isn't crazy about it. Every city where these churches start out and the Holy Ghost begins to work, there's going to be afflictions and there's going to be adversity going on, but God is faithful. Amen. And you stay with him because God, through Jesus Christ, has, is, and will give us the total victory. That's good news we have for you on what is truth. If you like the old shows, we want you to go to the website, Grace and Truth church spell it out dot o-r-g hit the home page hit the sermons tab hit the youtube tab listen to the old programs but more importantly take some time seek you out of the book of the lord and read search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth you've been listening to what is truth the radio show devoted to asking the question what is truth Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth, only on WECK.